0: Hey y'all, this is Dr. Joy from the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, and this is a booster session. As a reminder, the information included is meant to be educational and entertaining, but is not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey y'all, I'm back with part two of our series about Black women in business. This series is being brought to you with the support of Pfizer. At Pfizer, they apply science and their global resources to bring therapies to people that extend and significantly improve their lives. For more than 150 years, they have worked to make a difference for all who rely on them. They are committed to providing breakthroughs that change patients' lives. Find out more at Pfizer.com. That's P-F-I-Z-E-R com. I'm partnering with Pfizer on this series as we count down to this year's Black Enterprise Women of Power Summit, which will be held March 5th through the 8th in Las Vegas. I'll be speaking in the Pfizer booth during the summit about how our mental health is impacted by our experiences in the workplace, in entrepreneurship, in leadership roles, and in relationships with others. And I wanted to kick things off by having some of the conversations here on the podcast. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Melissa Butler. Melissa is a Detroit native who has skillfully and strategically launched a startup beauty brand, the Lip Bar, into a nationwide phenomenon. Melissa obtained her bachelor's degree in business finance from Florida A&M University before going on to work on Wall Street as a licensed stockbroker. Her journey from stocks and bonds to beauty is one that she describes as natural, not because she loved makeup, but because she was frustrated with the industry and therefore created a solution. More than 450 Target stores later, and a flagship store in Detroit, Melissa continues to innovate in the beauty space. Melissa and I chatted about her journey in starting the Lip Bore, the grief that comes with scaling a business, what she's learned from disappointments and rejections, and how she takes care of her mental health while also taking care of her business. If you hear something while listening that resonates with you, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in Here's our conversation. So I'm very excited to have you with us today, Melissa. So I knew that I wanted to do a series and I knew that I wanted to talk about developing resilience and overcoming obstacles in business. And you were the first person I thought of. So I'm really happy. Oh, nice. Yeah, really happy for you to be with us today. So I do want to get a little background for people who might not be familiar with Melissa and the lip bar. Can you just tell us a little bit about how um, the idea of developing a cosmetics company came to you?
1: So I started the lip bar in 2012 and I had been working on it for a good 15, 18 months, something like that. And it really just came from my frustration with the beauty industry, its excessive amounts of chemicals, its lack of diversity, just this idea that beauty looks like one thing. And I was like, you know what, we don't have to fit into this, this box, Like we don't have to follow the rules that we didn't create. So I'm going to create a cosmetic company that and that's all about increasing diversity and challenging the beauty standard and ultimately letting our customers know that they are enough. And like that frustration is, is what led me to making lipstick in my kitchen. And for the first three years, every single product was made by my bare hands. And, and, and it's just been an incredible journey now we're in Target stores across the country. We've expanded heavily beyond lip because for a long time it was only lip and now we have you know, a makeup system that makes your makeup routine as easy as possible. So it's fun. It's hard. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, God, it's so hard. But also it's like super fulfilling.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So when you say it's really hard, what are the hardest parts for you?
1: Oh, God! I mean, so many things are hard. Every day is different, right? And so that's that's the biggest thing about entrepreneurship, just knowing that the only thing that's constant is change. So today I might be having an issue with my supplier. Tomorrow I might be having an issue with one of my staff members. The next day, it could be like, "Oh, wait, we need money to do X, y, and Z, or you know, maybe we have an angry customer. Every day is different, and the priorities shift every day. Um, and, and as a CEO, as a leader, I, I have to focus on what's most important, like what's going to be the biggest thing that moves the needle. And that's, that's where it gets tough because when it's your baby, you like being in the, in, the, in the mix of it. You like being like at the ground floor. You want to make sure everything is okay. And sometimes as a CEO and as a leader, you can't do that because if you're always focusing on today, who's going to focus on tomorrow?
0: I love that you shared that because, you know, you mentioned that all of the products started being handmade by you in your kitchen. And now you are in Target stores across the country. Right. And so I would imagine that even though you're excited about the growth, there is still some loss related to it not being such a small operation anymore.
1: Oh, there's there's always, uh, you know, that loss, like some of the creatives. When when you're thinking about like CEO and leadership level, like maybe you're not as um, in tune with all of the creative pieces or what the customer sees or, you know, or even how people respond to your customers as it relates to customer service. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not as much in the weeds. But like the weeds can be fun. Like I really love the creative process. We have an amazing creative director. Her name is Roscoe. She's the person who brings every visual that you see to life essentially. And I'm still heavily involved. Like we're going over pictures together sometimes. Sometimes I'm creating the concept, but you know, she's the person that brings it to life. And and sometimes I miss, I miss some of that nitty-gritty. Yeah, that's
0: the, the part that you enjoy, right? The part that really made you good at beginning the business in the first place.
1: Well, exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, at one point, I did everything. I shipped all the orders. I responded to all the customer service emails. I made all of the product. I, you know, it was it was very much so like I was building this thing, which is really cool, because it allowed me to learn so many areas of the business. And, and I'm a very fast learner. And I'm a risk taker. So I'm able to process information very quickly. And, you know, with some things that are happening within the team or within the company, I'm like, oh, let's just do that. It's like very simple for me. But it's because I understand how everything impacts everything. And really, that's, that's the biggest thing for a small business. Everyone's job is important. What everyone does impacts the customer in some, in some way, shape, or form everything um, impacts like our ability to convert a, a newer potential customer. So it's just like understanding how those dots connect and really being able to guide your team to give them purpose and what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you remember if there was a point at which you realized that you were going to have to kind of get out of the weeds and kind of transition yourself more into the leadership CEO role?
1: I mean, yeah, I think from the, from the beginning, like I had no business making lipstick, you know, <laughs> I, I certainly wasn't the best. <laughs> right. I mean, I wasn't the best person to make lipstick. There were people who had that skill set better than me. There were people who could do it faster than me and more efficiently than me and, and even at a cheaper cost than me. But for some reason, for several years, I made the product. But honestly, I think that was my that was my learning ground. Like I needed to do all those things to learn. And honestly, we weren't a real business until I stopped making it. So when I stopped making all the products in my kitchen, then I was able to start focusing on on leadership type stuff. And so even now today, I tell my team, like, if I have to worry about a discount code or if I have to worry about social media, then we might as well stop. Because like, if I, can't, if I can't think about the big things, then who's going to think about it? Got it, got so it. So that was a, a realization that, that I made a couple of years in, you know, cause the lip art absolutely started as a lifestyle business. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a lifestyle business and, and we've morphed into into a real business that's in retail stores with, you know, I think we have over a hundred SKUs now. It's crazy because we started with 12 and yeah, it's it's fun and it's exciting. But like I said, it's, it's difficult, especially when you're so emotionally connected to it.
0: How have you dealt with disappointments and rejections in growing your
1: business? As a business owner and in entrepreneurship, you get told no every single day. Things go wrong every single day, like literally every single day. And I think that that's that's really what what differentiates uh, a business owner. It's really having that understanding, like that things aren't always going to go right and and being okay with it and just being like, oh, yeah, that's normal because Everything isn't for everyone, and that's totally fine, right? And what do you think
0: helped you to develop that resilience? I mean, especially, it sounds like, you know, you, like you mentioned, you started as a lifestyle business, so you weren't expecting to have the hundreds of SKUs that you have now. And so I would imagine that going into a business that you're not expecting to scale in the way that it has, you maybe didn't have the resilience skills. So what kinds of things have allowed you to develop the resilience to kind of bounce back from the nose?
1: Well, honestly, I always expected the lip bar to be big. I just didn't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about business until I started a business. And throughout this journey, I've basically been building my plane in the sky. So, but I've always started the company thinking that we would be big, like thinking that we would be bigger than we are now. So I actually fight that more often. I'm like, you know, stop, stop thinking that you should be like the word of the idea of should like just allowing things to be. So I think that resilience just comes from like this fact that I'm a super determined person. Um, I don't take no for an answer. And I think that everything has a solution. Like I truly believe that there's a solution to everything. So earlier when I mentioned, you know, me learning every part of the business allows me to, to be able to make a decision very quickly and just look and really identify the true problem or the true root cause. I think those are the things that allowed me to be resilient because it's like I have an an understanding of of the knowledge now, and it's like mm-hmm. oh it's fine, it's mm-hmm. fine. Things go wrong all the time. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of how I I'm like yeah.
0: <laughs> and it sounds like you have a pretty involved team that you trust to kind of help with that decision making as
1: well. Yeah, I mean I pu- I push my team so hard, man. Um, a lot of times they hate me, and I think that's what what a small business is oftentimes like I read a lot of business bios on everyone from Steve Jobs, to Jeff Bezos, and you know, these these leaders from these very admired companies that we have. And it's kind of like looking at their story and and understanding that sometimes it's that passion and it's that relentlessness that allows them to become these superstar companies, essentially. And so I, I push my team the way I push myself. But as a business owner, like I'm fine with pushing myself because it's again, it's so emotionally attached to me. And I'm trying to figure out how to create a balance there with with my team. I work them and they're they're really, really awesome. And I'm always pushing for more. I'm never satisfied. Um, and I don't give myself a lot of pats on the back. But that's not that's not the behavior of a really good leader. And so that's something I'm actually working on.
0: Mm, I love that you are so insightful as you're talking about like, okay, yes, these are the things that I do really well, but these are also some things that I'm struggling with that I know I want to grow in this area.
1: Yeah, you just gotta be honest with yourself in life. Like Mm -hmm. that is what life is about. Like know who the hell you are and like be comfortable in that. Be comfortable with it and make the changes that you want to see. Or don't, but at least acknowledge that, you know, it is what it is. Like, don't, don't be blind to, to how you show up in the world. I'm certainly not a person that's blind. I'm very um, reflective and I I understand who I am and how I show up. And, and that honestly, like the way I show up is my superpower.
0: Mm -hmm. And how would you describe the way you show up?
1: Um, I can be very aggressive. I can be direct. I'm also fun and playful. I am a person who gets things done. Like I am an executor, I move very fast and I'm okay with that. That's not a work environment that's okay with everyone and that's fine, you know. So now when we interview people, I ask them like how do you how do you feel with like in fast paced environments? How do you feel about direct feedback? Like, are these things that's gonna bother you? If like if I say, Hey, what happens to this the first thing in the morning, is that gonna like is that gonna really like Sit in a, in a negative space with you because if it does then this is probably not the right work environment like never disrespectful but always just like very honest So I am a very honest person more than anything I'm going to tell you if it was right I'm going to tell you if it was wrong Right. you know a lot of people are like the sandwich method I'm not good at the sandwich method I understand <laughs> it I think, a, I think it's a brilliant concept <laughs> but typically I'm just like hey this was off awesome. or hey that was great Like, it's just there's there's no in between. I hate gray areas. I hate them Mm -hmm. at all. I hate them, especially in any relationship, whether it's personal, professional, intimate. Like, I hate gray areas. Like, I just I just want to know. I want us to be very honest about where it is and what it is, because it always is going to be whatever it is. So there's no there's no need to tiptoe around it.
0: So I did an episode of the podcast a couple of weeks ago about protecting your dream and talking about how sometimes when our dream is in its infancy, you have to be very careful not to share it with like a whole bunch of people who might not be able to be as excited about your dream as you are. How have you been able mm-hmm. to protect your dream?
1: Oh, this is a great question. You know, I kind of talk too much. I'm <laughs> going to be honest. So, <laughs> um. I think it's just about knowing who to share it with, because I think that there's always value in in putting this idea out there and getting perspective from people who you think are going to be like your target audience or who you respect within business or whatever it is. You know, whether it's business or personal, it doesn't even matter. But, you know, you putting it out there with someone who's either done what you want to do. Um, And that can be as simple as like, oh, I want to get married. Let me talk to a married couple about what this looks like. Or I want to start a beauty business. Let me talk to Melissa Butler from Lip Bar on what that looks like. There's there's so much value in connecting with people who have already done what you want to do just because you learn so much and you prevent yourself from making unnecessary mistakes and, and wasting time. So I am on the fence with that. I think that you just have to know your audience like, I'm not going to tell, you know, I'm not going to ask my friend who isn't married about what it's like to be married. That doesn't make sense. But maybe I'll ask someone who's been married for 15 years, like, okay, well, you know, how did how did it work in this, in this scenario? How did you guys not kill each other? What was that first year look like when you guys moved in? You know, whatever it looks like, business, personal, anything, I think that there's a ton of value. And and reaching out to people who, who have already done what you want to do.
0: Yeah, so really kind of making sure that you are checking in with people who have a vantage point and maybe some experience that can help you.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to get into analysis paralysis. I'm definitely not suggesting that you go and talk to a million people. Talk to a couple people and then make your decision. Like, Make sure that your decision is your decision and don't base it on um, anyone else because I, I ultimately and honestly, you're the person who has to live with it. So. You know, talk to a couple people and make your decision. But a lot of times, what we want is already inside. Like we already know the answers. We already know how we feel. We already know. We just we literally already know. And you just gotta follow that gut. You gotta follow the intuition. You gotta dig deep into into your your core, into your belly, and, and listen to yourself.
0: So you mentioned already that you feel like a lot of your business has been kind of building your plane while it's in the sky, um, which has been a common theme in in these interviews that I've been doing is that so many of us are just trying to figure it out. Like as we go, Um, what tips would you have for people who are doing the same kind of thing? Like, how do you keep it all together while you're trying to run the machine and build it at the same time?
1: You got to learn from it. That's the biggest thing. My biggest piece of feedback for anything that you want to do. And I don't care if it's something as simple as like, oh, I want to start an Instagram page. Like, you've got to learn from it. Listen to your audience and know what works and what doesn't work. You know, if, if this is not working, stop doing it. If this is working, do more of that. And then always be willing to try some new things and test it. Because if you're not, if you're doing the exact same thing, then you're not growing. So always be willing to introduce something new. Always be willing. To, to track the data and understand like what's working, what's not working. And then ultimately, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you're pivoting in the direction that's going to give you the growth that you want.
0: So I am curious, what excites you about having a business that really is kind of centered around people of color?
1: I guess I don't think about it in a way where it's like exciting. I think it's necessary. Mm. So it's like, I've, I've always felt, Beholden to tell the stories of people whose stories don't get told and so that's essentially what we do at the lip bar like yes we have amazing products yes our red lipstick boss idea is the best red you'll ever find on the planet <laughs> yes we have you know yes yes we're creating products to make your makeup routine easier but it's just all about telling the stories of people who don't typically get that story told. In 2012, when I launched the lip Bar, nobody was talking about diversity. Nobody. And now everybody is like, oh, 40 Shades of Foundation and you're super diverse and you look at an ad campaign and, and you have your token people. Um So I don't think that I looked at it as exciting. I just looked at it as like, well, as a Black woman, I want to make sure that I'm represented and people who look like me are represented so that my niece can grow up and understand that she's beautiful and she doesn't have to transform in order to be beautiful. So black women have always been at the forefront of of what we do, but outside of black women, it's literally just all women who have never Had a voice or found the voice within beauty industry, whether that's like a Muslim woman, because you rarely see Muslim women in beauty. You rarely see Indian women or Asian women. You rarely see trans women. Like there are all these people who don't really get a voice within the beauty industry. And that's always been our goal since day one. It's been like, okay, how do we challenge the beauty, the beauty standard? And unfortunately, the, the, the beauty standard was a very linear one it was very much a european standard and if you didn't look like that or even if you were european but maybe a little bit more alternative maybe you had short hair maybe you have tattoos those people never saw themselves in beauty and I'm like but why people are so dynamic like why are we looking at beauty as like a, a as one thing like that's ridiculous mhm so that's that's kind of why like that's that's where the passion comes from and the most exciting part of that is when our customers then thank us because they're like oh whether it's like i never thought i could wear a pink lipstick until you show me you know the woman with the deep complexion in a pink like she gave me confidence or i never saw a trans person in an ad thank you for you know showing us that that this is also beautiful So I think that is the exciting part. It's less about the brand, but more so about the people.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, when you read some of these books and you hear people talk about like what makes businesses successful, it is really about the service piece and serving your community.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: How do you take care of your mental health while running such a wildly successful business?
1: I connect with nature. Um, I've recently started meditating. I'm about to go to therapy for the first time next week. Well, that's a lie. It's not for the first time. I went to a therapist um at the end of 2019. I didn't like that experience though. And but that didn't deter me. So I made an appointment with another one who I'm really excited about. But I do a lot of journaling and like I was saying earlier, you know, sometimes you wanna talk to people about what's going on, but sometimes you just wanna talk to yourself like It's rare that people are actually having like conversations with themselves or allowing themselves to truly process what's happening in their brain. And like my brain, like I have a very difficult time turning it off. Like it's incredibly difficult for me to sleep sometimes. And so I found that journaling and and meditating are are a couple of those things that, that help me to relax or even just connecting with nature. Whenever I'm super stressed out, I just like go on a nature trip. And it reminds me of how big the world is and how small I am, but how, you know, the universe created all living beings and, and, you know, that I am, in fact, worthy.
0: Love it. I'm really happy to hear that you're incorporating journaling and meditation. We talk about that a lot on the podcast, just because you're right. Like, we often have so much going on that we're not quiet and still. And so journaling and meditation can be a way to get some of that stillness into your schedule.
1: Yeah, because it requires you to take a second and process. And I really use my journal as a safe space. Some people don't feel like they can write everything in their journal because they're like, but what if somebody finds it? I actually don't care. Like I left one of my journals on a plane and I'm like, if somebody reads it, then they know my life. And just so what? Like, I'm so happy that I journal those feelings. I couldn't even tell you what it says right now. And I literally left my journal on a plane and and I just got another one and started again. (laughs) Like, all right, well. These are my feelings for for this day because, it's like, at the end of the day, like, you just got to be honest with yourself. You have to create moments for yourself to process and, like, and truly be honest with how you feel in the world. If not, you will take it out on other people. Mm-hmm. You will take out these or, or you'll act out without even knowing why you're acting in that way or why why certain things triggered you because you've never even acknowledged your feeling
0: on the matter. Absolutely. That is definitely going to happen. I often say either you deal with the feelings or the feelings will deal with you somehow. hmm Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so what's next for the lip bar? Is there anything exciting that's coming up that you want to share? I mean, honestly, we
1: just dropped eyeshadows today. Like today. Oh, that's why today is oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, wow. Super exciting just because eyeshadows, I have always thought that eyeshadow was intimidating, like not knowing what colors work on me or where to put them. And so we made some really cool liquid eyeshadow that you don't have to have a skill set. You literally just swipe it across your eye and blend it with your finger and you're done. It takes like 20 seconds. We also created these mini travel palettes because I found that people were essentially buying these eyeshadow palettes but only using the same four colors. So we, we curated these mini travel palettes that are like your your exact four colors for your complexion so you don't have to waste time money space etc so yeah girl I mean (laughs) life is good life is crazy we launched eyeshadow today you know, we're just, we're just trying to take over the world, essentially.
0: Yes. And I love that there's so much intentionality behind your products, like the fast face, like getting away from like buying tons and tons of products and using just the one you love.
1: It's like, for what? Like so many people have products that they either don't use or don't know how to use because the product don't work for their complexion or it's so ridiculous, actually. So I'm like, This is silly. Let's create things that people can actually use that really works for them and makes their makeup routine easier. And that's our big goal right now. Love it. I'm excited to see those.
0: So where can people find you online? What is the website for The Lip Bar and any social media channels you want to share?
1: So our website is thelipbar.com. We're in Target stores across the country. If you go on our website, there's a store locator that'll tell you which stores we're in. And if you're in Detroit or ever in Detroit, we have a flagship store in our downtown. We're really excited. We've been in business for almost eight years now. The company turns eight this weekend. And we can't believe that we've had such an incredible community supporting us, such an amazing team, really helping us to grow to this point. So I'm just grateful. The entire Lip Bar team is grateful. So thank y'all. Thank you so much, Melissa. I will let you get back to your launch. (laughs) Well, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. And thank you for everything you do. We we need to talk about self-care and and mental health.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Melissa. Have a good one. You too. I'm so thankful to Melissa for chatting with me at such a busy point in her schedule. I hope y'all will join me in checking out the new eyeshadow products. To check out more information about Melissa and all the great products available at the LipBore, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash Melissa. Don't forget to share your takeaways with us on either Twitter or in your IG stories using the hashtag TBG in session. And if you'll be attending the Women of Power Summit, definitely let me know. I'd love to see you there. Stay tuned for the final part of our series dropping next Friday where we'll chat with another amazing woman in business. Until then, take good care of yourself.